You're listening to In My Network with Yelit. Episode number seven of In My Network. And today I'm joined by David Zeff. I've had David in my network for quite some time. I actually just learned that we live in the same city and we have kids in the same daycare. So small world. Anyways, he's a consistent LinkedIn poster, which I love. And David has also taken part in three exits, one as a founder and two as an employee. And he's now an advisor to a few great companies and the CEO of Whistle, a revenue acceleration agency. So, David, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Yali. I like this in- okay. this intro. It always makes you feel a bit important. But uh, right? yeah, very happy to be here. And and, uh, and yeah, thanks, thanks for the intro. Yeah, thanks for joining. And yeah, I need to get an intro like this done for me so I can I can put it before the podcast. It definitely <laughs> is nice. Anyway, so let's go ahead and just start from the beginning. Who is David Zeff? Who are you? Um, it's quite a complicated question. I don't know how to answer that one. Uh, who am I? Um, I? I can tell you uh, what I do. I can give you a sense of... Uh, what I value. Maybe I'll start there. So who am okay. I? So I, I, uh, I live, um, interesting. I started with, I live, uh, I live in Israel. Now I was uh, born in South Africa. I grew up in Australia, um, met her, uh, and, uh, the rest is history. Three kids. Um, I, um, started my career on the, um, actually in, in writing, actually I worked as a, as a reporter for the financial times as the youngest mm-hmm. person employed there straight out of school. Um, I then took a year off, came to Israel, um, kind of fell in love with the whole place. Uh, came back to Australia, got in the fitness industry for about six years, ran a fitness business, had an idea with a friend of mine to build a tech business supporting trainers. That was kind of my entry into the whole tech space. Um, and since then, I guess, uh, uh, you know, things have grown from there. So um, I'm not sure how to answer the who am I question. It's a difficult question. But um, that's a little bit about about me and a bit of my my background. And you know. love it, love it. That question is always like an an- the answer I expect is whatever you feel comfortable with. So there's people that will go like, you know, I'm a father, I'm a creator, I'm this, I'm that. And then there's people that are just like, this is my story, and figure out who I am from there. So yeah. both of them work. But getting more into the sales side of things, so enlighten us on that. Where did your sales career start? How did you get into kind of the tech scene? How did all that happen? So I, I never really set out to be anything in sales. Um, I think that's probably most people who are in sales kind of fall into it or you realize mm-hmm. that you're doing it. Looking back, I realized I was in sales for a long time. Um, I think more than sales, I've probably always been an entrepreneur. Uh, even as a kid, I always wanted to, you know, run my own thing and be independent. You know, my dad, I, I mean, I, I, I only clicked later, but my, you know, my dad runs his own business. My grandfather, his father, just ran his own business. Um, I actually looked up on like Ancestry.com. The first known Zeph is like an entrepreneur or something, ran his oh, own wow. business. It was like a factory or something. So um, I kind of think there is like this kind of genetic element there. But um, I think in order to grow a business, you have to be able to sell. Um, I didn't know that for the lot. Like if I look at like my fitness career, I thought I was a personal trainer and I was there to help my clients get fit and healthy. Um, but looking back, I realized like, hey, you know, when you were like, I, I would walk around the gym and I'd be, hey, what are you training today? Ah, oh, you're training squats. Well, listen, can I show you a technique? By And then I'd show them something. Oh, that was really valuable. Thanks. By the way, I'm a trainer here. If you want, like we do sessions. And yeah, that's actually really interesting, David. And like, I didn't realize, but I was doing that stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
transitioning over into building out um, one fit stop, which was the the tech uh, business. Um, that's when like the the focus had a shift. I was not very good at selling then. I I just didn't know anything about SaaS. Um, and I kind of broke my teeth at graduate. I think that's really where I got my like real education. Daniel Cohen is the CEO there. Like he took me on his wing and, and, and trained me. And, and I think that that was like a, my first real understanding of like, Oh my God, I've been selling my whole life, but uh, I just didn't know I was selling. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's something I've always had. Cause I always have been you know, pretty good at doing that kind of stuff and getting myself out there, but I didn't really focus on it or even know it was the thing probably until I came to Israel actually. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think Israel also has a, a big thing in that because you kind of have to push out like the cheeky part of yourself and then like things yeah. kind of click and you're like, all right, I can do this. This is this is actually me. I was just, you know, being polite and, and normal because those were the environments I was in previously. But no one's really polite or normal here in Israel. So you just got to <laughs> yeah. get with it. Definitely not normal, but, you know, definitely not yeah, normal. That, that for sure. Um, but getting into into graduate, so I had a brief look. I saw that you stopped when you finished your career there. Uh, it was at a VP of sales, correct? Yeah. Okay. And where did that start there? Like, where did you start? How did you SDR. grow? SDR. Oh, so wow. graduate. So so my story is this: when I when I um, built one fit stop, I tried to grow it from Israel, but this was like mm-hmm. seven, eight years ago. There wasn't the same infrastructure as there is today. You know, the, I don't think Zoom. Mm-hmm existed so i was trying with my like partner to to i was supposed to run the marketing we were in australia we're trying to find australian clients the hours were disastrous i realized i was the bottleneck had to start again and so i just i sold my equity to our investors in the board i just walked away and while i was waiting um i'd met my wife and i was like look i need to find something that's going to pay the bills i'm waiting for that money to come across anyway but let's see let's see what's around you know, I've got no pride about this. Like, I'll do whatever. Let's let's figure it out. And I saw there was a company locally that was hiring uh, sales talent. So I went in, um, and they said, "Look, like, uh, we'll bring you on as an SDR. We think." I remember I sat with Daniel. I was like, "I think we were you're a bit overqualified, but like, let's give it a go. See where it lasts." I was an SDR there for two months. Uh, then Daniel knocked on my door. He's like, "Listen, you could sell. Like, I don't think you're SDR. I think you're even more than that." was an AE there um, and the top performing AE there for a long time. And uh, as that grew, I kept pushing for management roles, uh, became VP of the SDR team, ran a 20-person team there, um, and then um, developed even further into um, VP of US sales and running two divisions. One was the K-12 and one was the bigger enterprise division. Um, And then they sold the company um, to private equity and then I looked at that as like, that's my chance to kind of move on to the next phase. I like building and growing things, which is, you know, makes sense now looking at whistle. That's all we do every day. Uh, so I looked at that as like, great, great story. You know, got an exit, got the payout, got all the experience of growing from eight people to over a hundred people. And let's move on to the next adventure. And that's, that's what we, that's what I did. Wow. Wow. Going from an SDR to VP of sales, that's, that's amazing. Um, and it's also amazing, not only that you were able to accomplish that, but that graduate really, you know, believed in you and gave you the opportunity yeah. to take on more responsibility and, and, you know, gave you a chance, which is, uh, you don't hear those kinds of stories every day. Sometimes you do, but they take like 10, 15 years to get to that point. So I love that. And kudos to you and kudos to them. So 
coming from um, Australia to Israel, you spoke about that a little bit. But what was it that brought you really? What what made you make that move? Um, I think uh, I, I when I was working at um, the Financial Times, I needed a like I realized that I was just too young for what I was mm -hmm. doing. I was straight out of school and I was also studying at uni. And I was working a full-time job and I was, and I was like, I don't know who I am. Like, I need to take some time to figure that out. Um, and I remember having this conversation with them and they were like, are you sure? Because like, you're doing a good job. Like there's a big career ahead of you. If you stick around, and I was like, guys, I, like I need this time off. So I, I came here, I came on a volunteer program and um, I, I fell in love with this country. I really wanted to be a part of it. Uh, I didn't know where I would fit. And it took a few years for me to ready, you know, I went back, finished my degree, I did all sorts of things, grew businesses and whatever. But I, um, yeah, I always want, had like my mind on coming here. My, my family actually moved here before I did. And I think that was mm -hmm. a big catalyst. Um, and then obviously meeting my now wife uh, as part of that process kind of seal, sealed the deal. Um, and I love it. Yeah. I'm, like, I, I think that was the best move of my life was, was moving over here. So um, with all of its challenges that come with it, I think it's just been a um, an absolute game changer for me, both uh, professionally and personally and in all other areas as well. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. Sometimes I think back, even though I came to Israel, I mean, right before my 15th birthday, so I was pretty young, but I sometimes think and I'm like, what would have been of me if I would have stayed in the States? I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Um, so I definitely... Like relate that back to Israel and the opportunities here and the ability to get to know people easier, easily, I should say. Um, so yeah, totally with you on that one makes 100% sense to me. And getting into Whistle. So what is Whistle? What do you do? How does it work? Who are you working with? So uh, Whistle is an outsourced um, sales agency. Um, we work with as tech startups to help them grow ultimately um i would categorize them into kind of two groups there are the plg style startups that you know are generating a lot of um leads um free users but need those conversions need them converting into sales and we do uh, a really good job of of doing that um of accelerating those sales um and then there is the traditional b2b SaaS. Uh, companies that are generating inbound and outbound leads and need SDRs to service those leads to convert mm -hmm. them or to, you know, um, find the next best clients. And, and that's what we do. Um, Whistle started by mistake. It wasn't, uh, you know, a, a fully intentional move. I had been consulting to some companies um, and one of them asked if I could just build this out, you know, and they said, Hey, you've done this before. Can you build us a team? And I did. And, um, that went really well. And then I thought to myself, well, wait a second, if I can do it once, can I do it twice? And we did it twice and we did it three times. And I remember phoning my dad and I was like, dad, when do you know you've got a company? And he's mm -hmm. like, if you've got three clients, you've got a company. And I was like, okay, oh, wow. I think I've got a company. And then 2020 happened. Um, and that accelerated everything because I was, I was at exceed. I was relatively comfortable kind of doing a bit of both. And then I saw like the writing on the wall and said, you know what, this is like my time to shine. Let's, let's give it a go. And um, in 2020, it was the biggest boom. I think it started off the biggest boom for tech. Um, mm -hmm. You know, funding rounds got bigger. Tech companies started popping up everywhere. Um, a whole bunch of tech solutions started being created, right, for this kind of new world that we're entering into. 
And uh, Whistle has been servicing that growth. And so we've been riding this wave. We've grown very, very fast. Um, we're 70 people now. I think we'll have 100 people by the end of this quarter. Um, we work with um, companies all around the world. A lot of Israeli companies, yes, but also Australians, um, US and UK. Most of the work we do is into the US and the UK. And um, it's, yeah, it's a really, really exciting time to be doing what we're doing. Um, I'm very biased, but I think we've got a, a really amazing company and culture. that We've managed to build something very special. Um, and I think that we'll, we'll grow into a, a really dominant player in the space. And that's what I'm hoping to do is uh, to create a global um, revenue services business for tech companies. Um, because I think that the one part of tech that doesn't scale is is the employment um mm -hmm. experience right so yeah. uh, we focus on the revenue side but uh, but ultimately that's what we do is, is we help uh, those tech companies scale and and sell wow wow that is uh that's impressive first of all to just kind of have a company be created just like that and then it grows and and it's also interesting and, and helpful to other companies it's not something I mean, I've heard of many like marketing agencies and things like that, but actually like a revenue acceleration agency. I think that's whistles the first one I've heard of. Uh, I'm sure you're not the first person out there, but you're definitely the first person I've heard of. Um, but in that, like dealing with all these different companies, being in charge of all this, having all these employees posting on LinkedIn, how do you consistently stay creative? Like, have you always been a creative person? What do you do that allows you to kind of just think outside of the box and, and get all these things done? Um, I've always been a creative person. Um, so my actual, like, I think core nature is that I'm a storyteller and I'm a creator. That's what I actually like to do. Um, I've honed that in uh, to make money by selling, okay, where you can do both of those things. It's a very, usually it's a very boring story, um, but you're still telling a story, right? And you're still creating. So a lot of that comes naturally to me. I like doing it. I don't, it's not for the attention. I don't like attention. I don't care about if I've got followers, whatever. Um, LinkedIn, though, has given me a very unique um, platform to grow. And if, mm -hmm. I, to be honest, if it wasn't for that, I think it would have been really hard for us to grow Whistle. I started writing on LinkedIn uh, years ago when I was an AE, and I just felt like I, was, I had no name in the space, and no one ever wrote anything on LinkedIn. So I started mm -hmm. posting, so getting a lot of traction. Um, to the point that, I mean, people, I would bump into people and be like, oh, yeah, I read your stuff. And I was like, you know, that, that still happens now. But like, I, I just couldn't believe like, oh, my God, people actually read this stuff. Um, and that gave me a lot of leverage. You know, just today I was on two two sales calls. People came to us just through reading content that's on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. it's very important. I only I don't have like a set structure that I you know, discuss a certain thing, but I do try and stay in my lane when it comes to sales and startups. I don't, you know, post pictures of my kids and, uh, or talk mm -hmm. about, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, and I'll only usually share stuff if I feel inspired to share it. I don't, I, I do usually write every day something or put up something every day, but, uh, if I'm not inspired or if some, I'm busy or what have you, I, you know, I don't go down that path of, Oh my God, I've got to create everything uh, today. Um, and I'm very focused around LinkedIn. I use everything else as just a, a tool to um, post there because that's where my buyers are. Um, mm -hmm. Like to me, this content creation um, element is only there to generate business. 
Um, I don't, you know, I like, yes, it's nice to get some likes, but that's not why I'm here. So if yeah. I post on LinkedIn, if I do kind of get posts that go big, we usually see that impact that clients come through the door. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that that's what I'm about. In, in real life, I'm actually a pretty private person. I have a very, very small circle of people that I like keep around me and care about and share stuff with. Um, I just, you know, it, that that's not where I get my kicks. I don't need to be famous or popular or what have you. I never was. So I don't intend on changing that. Um, but I think that it's, it's, a, it's really fun. I do like also the discussions and stuff like that. I like sharing thoughts. I like, you know, encouraging debate and, you know, people seeing things differently. And that's why writing was my first, you know, my first real job um, mm-hmm. because I, I love to write. You know, I, I really do. Um, so that's, you know, I think it was natural to me to. Yeah, it goes, it goes like hand in hand, the storytelling and the writing um, and definitely with sales as well. Like I'm actually currently in a course through Pavilion uh, storytelling for sales. And it's cool. really kind of opened my eyes to that whole world because it's something that I've always wanted to do. But if you don't know how to tell a story properly, you can completely like botch it and lose the person 100% and there's no going back. So it's an amazing skill to have. And I, I see it coming through LinkedIn. I mean, I, like I said previously, I always see your posts. They're always engaging. I always like them. So you're good at it. Keep doing what you're good at. Thank you. Thank you. And getting into what motivates you. So I'm, I'm assuming I know the answer of, to this, seeing as you have children and it's usually my kids. Um, but deeper than that, I mean, before even your kids, what, what was it that really drove you and motivated you to, to keep going, keep thinking like an entrepreneur? And I mean, creativity, you just like being creative. So what else was it? Um, I, think, uh, I think different things will motivate you at different times. Uh, in your life, um, both positive things and negative things will motivate you forward. Um, I so firstly, I think I'm a I'm a class uh, class A type personality. I think that's how you describe it, right? It's like a very go getter. Like if it's, I'm naturally up early. You know, I'd be that kind of person. Wake up in the morning and go for a run or do a workout or what have you. Mm-hmm. Very very goal oriented person. I, I measure the success of my day by what I got done. Did I achieve what I was going to do? Um, to me, like um, having order and consistency and things like that, that gives me a lot of comfort, you know, knowing that I've got like, this is when I eat lunch and this is, and I think also being a personal trainer for so long kind of instilled mm-hmm. that in me because I had to have a very kind of blocked day. Um, so I think part of that is natural, like a natural drive um, for things, but um, motivation has changed. You know, I think uh, on the one hand, um, it's, I don't think I'm, I'm not motivated by money. Um, I don't think that that's the big driver. Um, but anyone who told you that is also probably lying because we all have some, there's a limit there. I think it's more about uh, the, just the certain lifestyle goals. So as you mentioned, number one, you know, the thing that I think about most, most of the time, my kids and my family, right? My wife and my kids, how can I get us a, you know, ensure we have a better life and what have you. Um, but at the same time, when you run a business, um, your, your thinking changes. I started with thinking, all right, I'm going to start something that's going to kind of get my family through this pandemic and, and, you know, put some food on the table type. That that was my mindset, right? Um, that evolves, you know, when, when you have 70 people and their families that you have to, you know, make sure are fed, then your, your mindset changes. So I get motivated more every day now by my team, by seeing them grow, 
by promoting people, by seeing people earn more, by creating those avenues and opportunities. And um, that is a huge kick that I just didn't see coming. I didn't realize that. Like when you think of growing something, you think of like, oh, what am I going to be? I'm going to be the CEO of my business. You don't think of all the lives that you're going to affect and change. And that is the coolest thing ever, the coolest thing ever. So that motivates me. Um, what we've built, the the kind of the culture that we have professionally that really motivates me. And and our clients too, you know, seeing that those, like we've, we've grown a bunch of companies from, from babies to big companies now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really cool to have played a part in that and just seeing people's careers and businesses flourish as a result in being a part of that. Um, I'll also say this, you know, obviously as an Ole, I've got to throw in some sort of Zionistic element here mm-hmm. because I am one of those crazies. But for me, it is, um, it's very, very cool and historically important to be a part of this um, uh, experiment, right? This kind of um, renaissance of, of the Jewish people and coming back here and building something big, um, being part of like Israel becoming a global powerhouse and being able to facilitate the the growth of these tech companies here is a huge, huge um, source of motivation. And, um, you know, like I when I was looking to move here, people are like told me, like, what are you going to do for work? There's no work there, right? It's very expensive. There. There's no work there. Who are you going to be friends with? You don't speak the language. And it's like such a lie. It's such a lie. Mm-hmm. I can't believe the amount of opportunity there is here. So I'm, I'm one of those people I'm more motivated by opportunity than, let's say, you know, fear. So seeing like, like what's out there and how big, you know, the opportunity is to do something um, to make a real effective change in the world, um, you know, it, it inspires me. So, uh, so yeah, so those are, are some of the things I think that, that drive me forward. That's powerful. I, I love what you said about, you know, seeing your team grow and the success there, because even, you know, with your clients, obviously that's making you money and that's good promo for you, for them to go ahead and recommend you to other companies. But seeing your team flourish and grow is is really powerful. And it's nice that that actually motivates you because I've spoken to quite a few leaders. And like I said, most people, it comes back to their family, their wife, their husband, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, those should be motivators. Um, but seeing your team grow is uh, is definitely, that's also a reflection of you in the end of the day. So if they're growing and they're doing well, that probably means that you're doing your job well. Yeah, correct. And Love it's it. an, it's it. a it's a fun part about um, growing a business because you become less and less important in the day to day, which, um, you know, there was a time that I was the, the one of the SDRs at Whistle, right? I, the first client, I was making calls to book those meetings as well. Right? I didn't have to do this, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, but I wanted to see it grow. And then as it got bigger, right, my focus changes um, and you have to start facilitating uh, people. You have to start giving and educating people and giving them the support that they need to succeed because you ultimately win. Like you, mm-hmm. you run the whole game. You don't have to play in it all the time. So um, that's been really fun. That's just been like yeah. an awesome challenge. Yeah. I love that. I think it's um, it's something for me too. Like I work in where I work in Vidyard. So we kind of have like a, a team target as well. And it's a big motivator for me because I say, you know, I can, I don't need to share see like certain things that work for me. I want to share them with everyone. I want everyone to succeed because in the end of the day, I succeed from that. And it also helps you kind of, first of all, have that growth mindset, think like a leader as well and be happy for everyone and want everyone to, to go ahead and succeed. So that is awesome. And getting into like your end goal, what is your end goal? Where do you see yourself years from now? Like, where do you hope to be? 
Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I guess professionally, as an end goal, I'd like to. Um, I'd like to see Whistle kind of reach its its uh, limits of of capabilities. I think that we have a real chance to be a, a global um, player in when it comes to providing high quality services to B2B companies. Um, but uh, I think it's more about how I feel on a day to day. I think especially going through the last few years, I've, I've my, my measurement of, of goals and my scale of, you know, how do I measure success? And, and it's kind of been skewed a lot. So I would say it's more about a, a state of mind that I have, you know, is, is my family healthy? Am I healthy? Maybe I should say, am I healthy? Is my family healthy? Are we, you know, do we have what we need? Um, am I bringing a positive impact to the people around me? My team supported and happy and healthy and all that kind of stuff. I think those are real things that I aim at every day. Um, bigger picture, you know, there's a point where, yes, there's certain milestones that I'm trying to hit, but there's a point where those milestones don't really matter. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so I think I'm, I'm much more of a kind of a day-to-day um side of things and i think that the growth and all that stuff happens as an uh byproduct um of really making sure like that you your your current your present is 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 good right that you've got you know what you need the people around you what you need that you feel loved and supported i think that the results come as a result of of focusing on that stuff Mm -hmm. that that makes total sense so this has been super insightful. I've loved all the information you've given to us. Um, I'm sure that because you're an intelligent man and you're succeeding, you probably know lots of other intelligent people. So one thing that I've been trying to do lately is to also ask, who do you think I should have on the podcast to? Who would you have if you had a podcast? Um, who should you have? Um, you know who would be really interesting? Do you know Yoel Israel? I do. From uh, Wadi, Wadi Digital, yeah. right? Yeah, he'd okay. be an interesting guy to talk to. He's uh, he's always uh, he's got a firstly very unique perspective on things, but um, also he's very entertaining. So I think you'd okay. have a, a good uh, conversation. My type of person, love yeah. it. And one question I love to ask David, um, it's kind of a, a different one, but if I could grant you one wish, what would it be? don't know that's a tough question (laughs) um i guess i would if i had one wish i would want myself and my family to be healthy and then i think that would be the wish that's a good one one. love it for other people you're always for other people (laughs) everything else is kind of you know like doesn't really matter if you don't have that so i'll I'll take that um if i could guarantee that i'd be very happy that is true too so Wrapping this up, like I said, thank you for joining me. This was awesome. Love getting to know you a little bit better. Love knowing you. that you're uh, a neighbor and uh, our kids are together. So he might see a pickup. Yeah, exactly. And um, just I want people to be able to go ahead and follow you like I am. So I have you on LinkedIn. Is there any other ways that people should get in touch with you? Is LinkedIn the best place? That's the best way. Yeah. Awesome. LinkedIn's, so, yeah. Definitely the best. We'll go ahead and and include that in the show notes. David, thank you. It was awesome having you, and uh, we'll see you around. Thanks, Elliot.